Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Around the NFL podcast. Yay, football! Maybe. Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, Ricky Hollywood. What's up, boys and girls? Hey, did you guys know that the NFL season is starting next week? I can't believe it. That's this like now become a cliche. Sunday. I was saying it a week ago. I was the one making the cliche, but now I've just heard it so many times. I'm sick of I, hearing that. I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. I can't wait till I open up my timeline on Sunday and Scott Hansen's like, one week from today, we're watching football. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the irony is I am, we are, I am truly excited. I think we are. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun, but I'm just, I'm sick of hearing the same things on this little ramp up. Like, let's just get there. Let's just get to Thursday night. I'm ready. Right. I sent you the one, you know, last night there's, the, and this is like a billion dudes doing this, like, uh oh, because you know college football was like it's going to be the last Thursday without football until like December twenty <laughs> right. ninth. Like, I I don't know if I'm that just makes me feel anxiety to be honest. Like I don't need that calendar update at this point. I'm glad it's all back, but like don't tell me about I don't know. Just also I don't need presumptive tweets about what's going to happen in the future in the year twenty twenty. Like here's exactly what's going to happen on every week for the next four months. I, let's just leave it open and we'll play it by let's ear. Let's not get cocky here. Let's do the and Greg. If you already know, and who am I kidding? You definitely already know. Let me know. But let's let's do the old uh, cousin Sal, Bill Simmons thing. Um, hey guys, what's the spread for Texans KC? I don't know at all. I promise. All right. What do you? What do you? What, Mark and then Greg and then Ricky. Guess the spread. Uh, I'd say Chiefs by seven. I'll go eight and a half. Chiefs minus seven. Chiefs Good job, Mark. Eight and a half. Ricky. No, oh, I thought I thought I thought he had the answer right. Mm, <laughs> minus eleven. Hmm. I think if my math is correct, probably isn't. 
No, I guess it's a tie. Anyway, it's uh, Chiefs <laughs> nine and a half, laying the wood. So, wow. who wins? I, I was the closest. Well, I was the closest. Somebody else figure that out. Yeah, I was one away. I mean, that's that. This is this is uh, this is easy to add up. Yeah, it's a lot of respect. Minus. It's a lot of respect. I do wonder, and I don't want to get too deep into the desert. Um, but the whole home field advantage thing is interesting. Are they going to really factor? Is you do you have the home field advantage still? There's been a lot of numbers and a lot of a lot of reality lately that mm. home field advantage is pretty overrated to begin with. That the last two or three years, at least. Um, the desert's been building in a lot of home field advantage when really home teams aren't aren't doing that much better than than road teams. Arrowhead might be a little different, but Arrowhead in, in itself is very different than normal Arrowhead. I don't know what like a smattering of nineteen thousand you know families clustered in fours and fives does for a home field advantage. It's gonna be weird. <laughs> it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be bizarre. They're gonna have people in there. The building, right? Sixteen thousand people. Yeah, I mean they're gonna do the trophy ceremony. That'll be cool. Um, you know, it's going to be Al and Chris. I am fired up that's about good. that. Like my kids you know like, what? will I like be at that. home. We'll be watching. Like, that's cool. But uh, the 16,000 of it all, I don't know what that's going to feel like. Because they will be somewhat loud, you would think. I mean, that's still a lot of people, even though they're spread out. But it's just going to look strange. I don't know. But they're having the fake I, pumped-in crowd noise, too. So They are? I, I mm. thought I read that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's we were talking wide, right? I think Everyone it's... Has to. I think that hum, that airline hum that Steve Weiss told us about at SoFi is across the board and it turns on before kickoff and turns off after the final, what was the final Same, gun. like a tape recorder. I was, I was uh, we were talking about before we started today how I've been disappointed in what feels a little bit hollow the baseball season with all the, all the COVID-related drawbacks this season. And one of the ones that really stinks is, like, if you're a Washington Nationals fan, I know that organization hasn't been around forever. They used to be the Expos, but that was a fan base that, for years, they were a bottom feeder, and then they go on this unlikely World Series championship run, and then there's no celebration with 50,000 screaming fans in D.C. to hoist the flag and give the rings. So at least the Chiefs get a, a taste of that, even though it's not the same as 80,000 screaming fans at Arrowhead. That's uh, a weird year. And I checked the standings a little while ago. The, the Washington team stinks, so they can't even enjoy that. Uh, well, well, no, you could call, the worst team in the league. Wait, you, wait, you could call the, the Nationals the Nationals still. It's our Washington team that we can't call by the nickname anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One little nugget from the Chiefs getting the rings the other day where Patrick Mahomes, you know, we've been up in those suites during the combine in Indianapolis, and there was a nice suite up in the Kansas, in, in Kansas City that was like decorated from head to toe with ornate, um, probably like $14,000 worth of flowers, where he proposed to his, uh, you know, fiance now, or now fiance girlfriend turned to fiance and like i mean just okay. another example of patrick mahomes doing things just a little bit better than basically another any other man that i could point to at this point yeah i liked how i did it i did yes. it one knee on a on a beach uh, on the pacific ocean in malibu give I, me that I, over the the suite with were flowers. you by yourself or did you like have a friend <laughs> hiding as like a photographer yeah oh uh i had no it was just me and my future wife I did the beach too. Uh, the beach Cove. at night, and she she was so su- genuinely surprised. She thought I was joking, which is where like a lifetime of sarcasm um, <laughs> comes back to bite you. <laughs> she genuinely thought for for a little while, but yeah, I'm not giving Mahomes any credit over me for that. I mean, uh, I will. I'm happy I, how I did it. 
Mark, how'd you do it? Uh, on a, on, actually, it was Simone lived up in Santa Monica, and it was. So um, we went to the beach. No, I didn't do the beach. It was just like I was decided like... that night. Out of nowhere, I was like, "I'm doing it this tonight." And we, I went up to see her, and like we took a walk, and I just did it on the street corner up from like the her apartment where we had hung out for months and months. So, so just nice. On the Mark. Then we Mark, recreated it so someone could take a photo. <laughs> what did you say? I'm pregnant, Mark. Now what? Hamina, hamina, hamina. Off to Vegas. <laughs> no. Inaccurate. Mark's like, only a little true. <laughs> no, not, you guys have a accurate. standard courtship. Yeah, I know. Simone, if you're listening, I'm sorry. She is not listening. Was not she a- was a staunch listener, but 2020 has rocked um, her listening status uh, to the core. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll get her back, hopefully, once the games begin and her Niners are thriving, hopefully. All right. Let's get to the news. It's a rundown Friday. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Do you know that that show's coming back to NBC? Is it? Hmm. Is it now? I mean, Mark, I mean, Dan's been wanting to bring it back for years. I try to bring back that um, pop culture bit. About five years ago, it didn't take, but maybe NBC has something cooking that I didn't know about it. Ricky, do you have any more on this that you could share at this time? Not at this time, no, but I did see on Twitter that Jane Lynch is hosting the new one, so that should be cool. Oh, they're not bringing the British, uh, the stern mm. British woman back? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited to watch it, and I think that everybody should watch mm. it because it's going to be fun. Funny. And you guys, fun. Hey, Erica, you missed the show on Monday, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Right. No, I, uh, I was just busy. Really? I think we're laying some breadcrumbs here, folks. Follow along. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the news. Subreddit's going to have so many theories about that one. Let's get into it, starting with Leonard Fournette, who cut loose by the Jaguars, the former first-round pick, picked up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, signed to a one-year $2 million contract. It can get up to $3.5 million if he hits some incentives for rushing yards and playing time. It creates a very crowded backfield situation in Tampa, um, including uh, LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy's there, and Mike Garofolo reported that he's still going to be in the mix, potentially. Ronald Jones is there. Greg, what'd you think about this signing? Do you think Fournette could potentially be a fit in Tampa? I'm not surprised, and I think all the fantasy heads who were touting Ronald Jones hardcore all uh, preseason deserve what they got. They should have seen it coming. That that roster's... Well, because it became like a trendy thing. And I like Ronald Jones as a runner, too, but if you had to make a list of the teams that were most likely to add a veteran at the end of August to mess up your fantasy rankings, it was the Bucks. They sort of telegraphed it. And I think Fournette's fine. I I kind of think he makes sense for them as another back because I I don't love a Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy backfield. Um, but if he was a third or fourth round pick, we wouldn't even be having him, you know, talking about him on the show because he's just a fine power back that can split up the work. And you just worry a little bit about. Is he going to be happy splitting up the work? Is LaShawn McCoy going to be happy being third on the depth chart? You know, Arians already said Ronald Jones is our guy. Like, is Ronald Jones going to be happy if he's not the guy in week three or four? It's it's a lot to deal with. I wonder if it's like it's either Tom Brady has, uh, you know, significant influence 
in Tampa, and he's building a backfield that's not that different in a way from New England's where you've got a bunch of guys and you kind of don't know who's going to do what from week to week. Uh, or I just think more likely they're not that happy with any of these players. And mm. it's like they're going to keep looking for answers and they'll probably have you know different roles. I mean, they already cut, they drafted Raymond Calais who... Bruce Arians was crowing about, you know, when they took him, he got he got released. I mean, they got rid of Derry Agomboale, if I'm saying that right, who was a really core special teams player for them. So I think Fournette has a role, but I think it's probably closer to like a goal line type role or like a late game hammer. You make me think, Mark, though, about one of the uh, benefits of Tom Brady is now that I now that we kind of talk it out is is Fournette and McCoy really going to act up with Tom Brady as the quarterback. I do think there is something to the to the leadership and to the effect Brady has in terms of like, look, this is our one year to go win the Super Bowl. We don't want to mess it up for Tom Brady. Let's just be good team team players. Well, I think, think that you know, is a bonus. Right. LeGarrette Blunt goes to Pittsburgh and, you know, within two months he's he's riding around with uh, Le'Veon Bell smoking weed in a car. He's back in New England. He doesn't he doesn't speak again and rushes <laughs> for like two hundred yards in the playoffs. So I think that effect is real. Yeah, he was, listen, everything we hear, and there was a report after he was cut that he was a knucklehead there, and we saw it with some of the antics on the sideline. I think Tom Coughlin was all fired up after a playoff game, was it? Or at the end of a game once uh, about some of his behavior. That stuff's not going to fly with Brady. I totally agree that if Fournette has the ability to make a difference, and Wes kind of scared me off that corner a little bit with his analysis earlier this week that he's kind of just a numbers compiler and a bit of a plotter as opposed to a dynamic player. Um, maybe that's just going to be the case, but I think it's a perfect spot for him ultimately. Let's Agree. move on. The Patriots make an announcement that I don't think surprises anyone, but at the same time, now it's official, and that's interesting. Cam Newton is the successor to Tom Brady as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. Cam, who signed a deal this summer, well after free agency, coming off uh, the uh, foot injury that ruined his 2019 season, couple shoulder surgeries, but he looked good in camp, we hear. Well, we heard a lot of different things in camp, but we heard that he was also a good leader, named a team captain, Mar- Mark Sessler, uh, and he is now going to be the week one QB. I know you're feeling bullish on Cam Do you, uh, when he signed. Do you still feel that way as we approach week one? Uh, maybe a little bit less because I, you know, as you mentioned, the camp reports were really mixed out of the gate, but that doesn't surprise me that much. I guess my, I'm more interested just to see what this offense will look like. That's going to be one of the first games I'll go check out in week one. What is, what is, I mean, you have a completely different type of player. The, the, the idea that he's named starter, I mean, wasn't this race over like weeks ago when Jared Stidham was, you know, whipping interceptions all over the place and dealing with an injury? I mean, and also like, I, I think that these races, I just look at them as, who is this player and who is that? And why did they bring Cam Newton in? The idea that Cam Newton was going to be on the sideline in week one with cameras panning to him every two minutes, <laughs> I, I didn't really buy it. Now, maybe they maybe it was fair to start. Had to make, it, make sure he was healthy, but you're right. Once he was, it was really one week. And then they started giving him starter reps because they, they're trying to get ready you know, for the season. I, Belichick actually didn't announce it publicly. When they asked him about it Friday... He still wouldn't say who the starter is, but he told the team who the starter was. So obviously people from the team and that all got out. Like they made the announcement. Cam's our guy. This is who we're. He's so behind, funny behind. I mean, it's like, so what, what's, like the point? what's the point? Yeah. I don't I don't know. You think he um, likes that there's a leak inside uh, Foxborough place I mean, you, or whatever you they're can't calling keep it? That a, you can't keep that a secret. Plus the, the reporters. <laughs> 
kind of let it be known, even though they're they're not really supposed to, that the last few weeks, um, look, they've been practicing some option football. Like the the offensive line has been answering questions about okay, well, what's it like to be blocking for for uh, offense that's going to have all these RPOs and options and stuff like that? Like it's a totally different. <clears throat> idea that when Tom Brady was there. So obviously that leads you to believe they're they're changing the offense significantly. I love as a as a Patriots fan the fact that the, his teammates named him the captain. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. I listened to this Spotify um, podcast the Ringer made uh, called the Cam Chronicles. Uh, it was really well done. And one of my takeaways from it was just the force of his personality. Um, just as a leader and as a as a dude that other football players love to get behind. I mean, we know he's a big personality in front of the mic, but also behind the scenes in terms of you know the heart, the work that he does, and just kind of the galvanizing way he's going to get that locker room behind him. Didn't take him long. Basically, all those dudes just want to play with Cam. Whether it works or not, I don't know. But it, it's fun to uh, imagine as a Patriots fan. He's almost like the perfect replacement for Brady because he's not Brady-esque. He's a completely different type of player, which means you're not comparing the same offense. But also, like he's got that thing about him, that aura where like all these younger players would to your point, just find it amazing to be in the same offense with Cam Newton. Now, it, it, it has to work. Ricky, you've been embracing think... this yet, or what? I mean, I know you're still hung up on the one bad press conference quote, you know, but come no, on. No, no, no. It's good. I'm, I'm excited. It'll be good. It, it'll be very interesting, like you said. I mean, our, our offense is a little <laughs> all over the place. Well, it's not so that talented. Be... It's not a talented exactly, group so. of uh, pass catchers, that's I, for sure. I think, ultimately, he feels to me still as he's a bridge quarterback, but that's not a bad thing when you're the bridge is coming from the greatest quarterback ever. And then if Cam, whether he works out or he bombs, then maybe the young guy comes in and he's not getting compared directly to Brady. He's getting compared to the guy that replaced Brady. Remember the whole thing? You don't want to be the guy who replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the guy. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> that's, that's whoever the next Patriots quarterback is. Speaking of the Patriots and their weapons, uh, Mo Sanu has been released. Your boy, I think Tom Curran... Greg called him plotting during training camp and fell behind on the depth chart coming off that ankle surgery. But uh, in terms of Bill per, uh, Bill Belichick's personnel record, which is generally sterling, this one was a mega bomb. They gave up a second round to make a Super Bowl run at the trade deadline last October to get Sanu, and now he doesn't even make it to 2020 on the roster. Yeah, they. I think people sort of lost that fact that it was about pushing – to go far last year for a team that, you know, had a chance at a bye up until week 17. It was one of the worst personnel moves of the Belichick era. He's had plenty. I mean, they all have had plenty, of course. Like, you're hoping to do, like, 5% better. He gives up on his mistakes quicker, but, man, he's made some big ones, and this is is up there. I thought they thought they'd get two years out of Sanu, so that, you know, it wasn't just last year. So to give up a second-round pick, which they've blown a million times taking terrible defensive backs anyways, (laughs) like, for Sanu is a disaster. It really, it reminds me a little bit of the Ocho Cinco signing and trade, which which I always hammer, cost them a Super Bowl, and um, I don't think this was that costly, but it was was pretty close. It goes against... Antonio Brown... It goes Antonio against Brown was another bust yeah, for them Antonio too. Bone was a bust. But to me, they there's didn't something give up going much. on at that position. 
yeah, they didn't. Well, they don't have a. They don't have any depth. That's what's going on. They keep trying to. He's trying to patch it with veterans, and it's becoming expensive. What about the whole pink pony thing, though, Mark? He's you know, pink pony is supposed to be Mark's great theory. It's like, oh, these these (laughs) these don't say it that way. These Patriots operatives go to other places and take advantage, you know, and then feed the Patriots. Well, how about uh, former Patriots front office uh, staffer Thomas Dimitrov? Uh, just, you know, crushing Belichick, sending them some used goods for a second-round pick. He's not getting invited to the uh, the Nantucket uh, cookouts anymore, Dimitrov. After, uh, just killing, killing Belichick I in mean, that trade. Dimitrov has survived Egon. so many ups and downs in Atlanta that I, there may be a whole different thing going on there in terms of, a you know, a... I don't know what you, what kind of colored pony you'd be, you'd be a red pony down there. There's weird stuff. I mean, I don't I don't kill this Belichick on this one for this one move because nah, I want why not? because I'd want someone that actively is going for uh. it when you're in position to get a buy. It, it had it worked, had you gotten a healthy version of Sanu that was in Atlanta, it would have helped were, a lot. They were sniffing around Emmanuel Sanders though too. Well, and, that would have uh, been the and one. you do think about you know the road not not taken there. Greg, I just want to know what you were talking about a little, like a minute ago. You said Antonio Bone. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> like, An- Antonio Bone them, you know. He boned oh, them. Oh, that's he's, what you Is that appropriate? That's a, he's, actually, he's an actor in a, a film that Greg watches sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a, ultimately a bit sometimes. of a, a bit of a, uh, uh, a look at me move, I thought, by Belichick. You know, I know, but Dan, like, uh, wait, what's the know, look, look at me at move? Dan, no, Dan, look if you think me. that I'm going to go too far. Wait, what's look at me? Belichick? Cutting him or, or trading for him? I don't even get the joke. It's what like here, about? yeah, here, I, my depth chart at wide receiver is 34 year old Julian Edelman, and the Harry kid who was kind of shaky as hell last year as a rookie, and Mosanu coming off ankle surgery. But here's the, fact the thing: that he Sanu, wasn't if moving, Sanu's well, you asked me, you asked me to okay. talk. You got to let me talk. You know, the fact that maybe he wasn't moving so great in training camp, in a shortened pandemic training camp, yeah, let's get rid of him because I want to prove to everyone that I eat my mistakes and I keep moving because I'm a tank and there's no reverse gears in this tank. All right. I mean, he was your coach for about three hours, and those were three you, good yeah, hours. Yeah, you think he's worried about the PR? I mean, you, <laughs> once you got once you got a stiff, you get rid of him. You don't keep you don't sign him. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I hope Sanu signs with somebody. He'll sign with the Jets, maker. just like Demarius oh. Thomas and Braxton Berrios. Like, just keep uh, <laughs> keep getting these. Keep guys. hitting out. Keep hitting out at me. It's not my fault that it was a terrible trade. I mean, you're hitting out at bad. multiple people, Dan. Like, let's. Be, <laughs> I am hitting start. out at no one. That's football analysis, Jack. <laughs> no, it's not. It is, no, no. All right, next topic. Uh, Alvin, Alvin Kamara is uh, back on the field with the Saints. There's been some contract drama there that's kind of tiresome to me. So if you guys want to talk about their deal, which is either happening or not happening, but he's going to be on the Saints this year. Uh, someone that did get paid is Joe Mixon, who signed a four-year, $48 million extension through 2024 with the Cincinnati Bengals. A quick trip into the Bengals sanctuary here. Uh, Mixon returned to, fe- returned to the field himself. Remember, he had those my... He had those migraine headaches, which quickly disappeared after he got paid. So Mixon gets paid. Kamara gets waiting to get paid. Both are playing with their teams right now. Yeah, Mixon's deal coincided with, you know, the the Kamara news going from, you know, interesting to kind of nuclear. I heard some whispers about some things that happened behind the scenes 
maybe between Kamara and you know his coaching staff. There there is things, but he's back on the he's back on the field. Well, speak Sound, on those whispers. Just on, that, yeah, that there's drama. That there's some dra- that there was drama, and then he was gone for four or five days. Malcolm Jenkins, by the way, has been gone from Saints practice too for two weeks. No one is say- explaining that. I'm I'm a little curious about what's happening there too. The Saints have kept some good secrets. Uh, but I think Kamara gets paid. The Mixon deal just made it harder, and so did the Christian McCaffrey deal. It's amazing to think how far Mixon came, though. I mean, he was kind of, you know, a guy that the Bengals took a lot of grief for signing, and no one's given them grief now for giving him, like, a, a four-year contract. I mean, it, the, his domestic violence history is kind of barely even mentioned at this point, and now they're willing to pay him for four or five years. Yeah, I mean, it's and that was a Marvin Lewis, you know, draft pick, and the new regime came in and seemed to not veer away. I mean, Mixon, from an on-field perspective, fits the offense really well, and it kind of shows you Cincinnati, like, really slow to do things like this in the past um, and, you know, kind of build and keep players around. Like, I could see them moving on, but then you suddenly get that quarterback in there, and they're like, let's kind of be Chiefs-esque and surround Joe Burrow with as much talent as we can long term. I mean the the Saints thing for me is like is have you I can't remember a team that was like, you know, basically Super Bowl or bust for one more season. I mean it's you, you'd imagine Breeze will not be there next year. Everything's going away. Are you gonna really like float into a thorny NFC South without Alvin Kamara? I mean, if you don't get that done, what are you doing? They're chasing Jadevian Clowney for the same reasons, you know. In other running back news, Adrian Peterson is done with the Washington football team in a move that was kind of a surprise. They part ways with the uh, great running back, now 35 years old, saves the team $2.5 million against the cap, opens up playing time for dudes like Antonio Gibson and Bryce Love. And listen, all day, Greg, out on the street on the eve of week one, is this the end? Or do you think he catches on somewhere? And where do you think Washington's Mm. backfield goes from here? I... Think he'll get a job at some point this year. Maybe not before Week One, when the when your contract for the whole season is guaranteed. But because he could mm. still run really well last year, he doesn't really make sense though on Washington, like a rebuilding team. He's a he's a bit of a progress stopper, progress like stopper. Sanu, like Sanu. Sanu yeah. was a progress stopper. When you have talent like uh, Jacoby Myers and Gunnar Olszewski, you, you can't have Sanu out there um, <laughs> stopping that progress. So. I, <laughs> Peterson really can run well, or he did last year. He really did. Like he was, he was absolutely a better player than Leonard Fournette was a year ago. I mean, I don't even think it's a question. I think if you just look at like Scott Turner, their Norv Turner's son, the OC, that Adrian Peterson, despite like there were reporters from the Athletic like five or six days ago saying that Peterson was an absolute lock, and that they thought Bryce Love was the one who would be booted out of off the roster. Uh, but he didn't really fit Scott Turner's offense, you know. And I should know, I once ran into Scott Turner at the airport and I said to him, you know, hey, because uh, this was after they had been with the Browns, I said, I'm really sorry about what happened in Cleveland. I thought you did a great job. Now I don't know if you did a great job. But he looked at me like, uh-huh, and just like, I'm just trying to get on this plane. Get out of my face right now. And it was like one of those, like it was like 7, 12 in the morning. And I thought, it's a little early. I, I probably shouldn't have... Uh, you know, gone forward with that interaction, but he's trying to make the well, connection. Well, if he knew you, that if he knew you a were a podcaster, you know, of such repute, maybe he would feel differently, but he maybe just thought he you would have put some respect on your name. No, yeah. I think I said I was from, you know, oh, okay. NFL media. 
that which I was much more from NFL.com back then, but I realized that has literally zero credence with anyone. So you just use the umbrella NFL media term and like they, they can imagine that maybe you're just an accountant or work in HR at that point. So, uh, you know, I, it was not a successful conversation. I've always appreciated how um, aggressive you are in airports when you spot people that you know. You Like you're a guy that will – and it just happened with Sam Darnold this spring. You will always go up to the person and – talk to them, which is something I would never do. I don't even think I would have done it with Darnold. I, I, and I don't say that as like, because I don't want to invade their space. It's just, I would feel uncomfortable doing it, but Sessler don't care. Well, Sessler Henry once, Henry always kills me about this because he, I believe it, he ran into me like sitting next to Greg Roman. Um, at, and I was just like, my, I guess my thing is like, you've, you got one chance to do it. Um, do it. <laughs> and I got that photo from, That's I what the whole... felt bad getting the Sam Darnold photo because it looked like I was, you know, Dan I mean, should have been Dan. And I told him, I said, like, you know, Dan and Dan's dad on our podcast really love the Jets. And that was another kind of thousand yard stare. So I love the that. Best spirit. The- I mean, that's what, you know, had you just pop in the question out of nowhere after you knocked up Simone. It was like, that's quack, it's a beautiful quack. thing to be that, you know, impulsive. I don't think you have the facts in order there, but um, all those things did happen, just not in that order. The the best, the best Sessler version of this wasn't at an airport. It was at a highly boozy league event where uh, Mike McCagnan, the then Jets general manager, who was on the verge of drafting Sam Darnold, was belly up at the bar and, and Sessler rumbled over there. And I see them talking. And then all of a sudden, like, Mark turns with a big <laughs> smile and just, like, waves me over here. Dan! And then we well, had, like, a really nice conversation with Big Mac for 10 minutes. I think actually the most um, heightened experience, and you were there too, was Mark Davis, where I attempted to corner Mark Davis for four or five minutes, and he was in a white tracksuit and like a bowl haircut and, you know, two peas in a pot. Not a tracksuit. The best thing about Mark Davis is he's always in the same outfit at any league event. It's white jeans, not sweatpants. I've seen him in Zubaz. I've seen him in Zubaz because you never forget. (laughs) It's white jeans, maybe Zubaz. Uh, and then it's usually a white long long sleeve T-shirt, usually Raiders apparel. Uh, and then yes, the haircut, which is some is pretty much iconic at this point. Like people thought Al Davis is iconic. I think at this point. And then if you read some of the profiles on Mark, does he still have the bubble top van? Remember that? Uh, not aware of what's happening with the bubble top van at the moment. All right, Google <laughs> that. Google that. Um, all right. In other news. What else is going on? Oh, Josh Gordon is back uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. They have some depth issues there behind their great one-two punch of Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, So they bring Gordon back in the mix. The one hang-up here is that Josh Gordon is still suspended. He's been suspended six times overall since 2013, including five times for drug-related offenses. He's currently banned for both PEDs and, uh, uh, you know, substance abuse uh, but that apparently seems to be coming to a potential end because he's on the Seattle roster and we'll see where he is at 29 years old hmm. it's interesting they brought in Paul Richardson who had some decent moments in Seattle for about a week and uh, they don't have a third receiver Philip Dorsett the former Patriot was supposed to be that guy he's been hurt they have a bunch of injuries I think if Gordon is the third receiver behind two really talented receivers, it could work out. I mean, we've had this Gordon conversation a million times, but just as a football player, I also don't think you can count on him to be 
a star now either. But as a role player, then then I think that makes sense because I think his play has declined a little bit each time he's come back. Right. I mean, like, let's just was, be honest here. You can't count on him. Period. Right. No. Well, that, well, that's the conversation we've had or to, a million times. Yeah. Yeah. But but. Yeah. What 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 would happen was like when he was in the middle of his five or six year hiatus, he would come back in a preseason and look absolutely dominant, and then fade. You know, then then he'd be gone two weeks later. I think that that dominance is not guaranteed on any level, but it's telling that with you know it's this weekend that you're going to have about sixty, seventy, eighty wide receivers set free that they're going to go with Josh Gordon as their pick. That I mean, they there's there is something so tantalizing about him if he's on the field. I mean, in the Seahawks, like to bring back Richardson, not a lot of teams bring back guys that they parted ways with. The Seahawks are a little different on that front. I just wonder, you know, let's use Des Bryant as another veteran wide receiver desperately trying to get back in the league. Is this version of Josh Gordon a better value for the Seahawks than somebody like a Des Bryant? I, I mean... Antonio Brown, I'll throw his name out there because he's forgotten now. But well, you can't get Brown for till week nine or ten. That's the problem. So it's like I think that you know. Yeah, my answer would be yes. But imagine that because when we've seen Gordon, I think he he can still play. And when we saw Des last, I don't think he could he could still play at the, he, at, the at a high. You know level. what? I don't. Obviously, I'm not speaking from any inside knowledge on this, but doesn't Antonio Brown with the Pete Carroll Seahawks vibe? of them bringing in guys that they feel they can rehab and then adding him to a, a push for a team that kind of needs a, a third banana there. Wouldn't that potentially be a great fit for the Seahawks? I mean, I could see it. There's probably like a five, maybe four or five teams that I would kind of buy. I mean, he makes sense as a player for a lot of teams, but right. no, but the like, overall experience, like maybe that happens, you know, five weeks from now or something and someone pulls the trigger. The Raiders are down a wide receiver. Tyrell Williams placed on injured reserve this week with a torn labrum. Uh, it is That's a tough injury, and uh, he's going to undergo surgery, uh, so he cannot return this season. He got a lot of money uh, from Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden last year, uh, but it has not worked out. He's, 20, he's almost 29. This could be the end of his run uh, in Vegas before it begins, really. Yeah, I, this was a big loss. I mean, they paid him a ton of money. And to be you know clear, when you're put on injured reserve this week, it, it's for the season, like you mentioned, Dan. And if if you want to you know keep your guys through the 53 man roster cut, which the deadline is Saturday afternoon, I think if he's on the roster by Monday, then you can start putting players on injured reserve. And the rules are totally different this year. You have an unlimited amount of IR boomerangs. And I think you can do it for like three weeks because of COVID. So it's it, the IR rules are totally different this year. If you're putting a guy on now, you're saying, you know, he's not going to be of use to us. But there's going to be a ton of players on Monday and Tuesday um, that just have these sort of short-term injuries. Maybe an Alshon Jeffrey is a good example where, okay, maybe we hope you're back in week four or five. But now we can put you on IR. We don't have to worry about using up our boomerangs. Like Some teams are going to end up putting three, four or five players on IR. A lot of boomerangs. A lot of boomerangs. All right, let's spin through a couple of things uh, real quick before we head off. And a reminder, we have our NFL Network program coming up. We're taping it today. It airs on Fridays online and then on NFL Network in the morning. Dwayne Haskins and uh, Tarad, Tarad Taylor. You know, Mark and I did a Chargers thing with our buddy Chris Harry the other day. Yesterday, in fact. And uh, I noticed after doing an in-depth conversation about... Uh, 
the quarterback for the Chargers that I was calling him Tyrod, but at, I think that was corrected a couple of years ago. It's Tyrod, right? Bad job by me. But well, his coaches don't even say it. I mean, Anthony Lynn says Tyrod, so it's it's one of those things. It's he's right. putting people in the okay, top so position. I don't feel so bad. Yeah. No, pe- right. you know, people are going half the population is going to think Tyrod, so you're going to be dealing with that. Uh, check out on Twitter. Uh, Mark and I both uh, retweeted Chris's tweet. We were on that Chargers live show. It was fun. Uh, the Cowboys released Haha Clinton Dix, the former uh, Packers safety. And uh, listen, Jane Slater keeps telling all you guys it's not happening. Earl Thomas is not going to the Cowboys. Just believe her. She knows what she's talking about. This will come back to bite me come Monday's show. But she seems to be very confident. She seems very confident that Earl Thomas is not on the way. We shall see. And finally, in other safety news, the Browns make a move after Grant Delpit tore his Achilles. They needed to add somebody else to that room. So enter Ronnie Harrison in a trade. Your thoughts on that one, Mark Sessler? I think, you know, the the interesting player, kind of Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator, wanted to use Delpit kind of all over the place. Harrison, um, who comes cheap, two millions over two million over two years, played free safety about forty eight percent of the time up in the box, thirty one percent of the time. So he can do a lot. Um, Nick Saban loved him at Alabama. Uh, will TBD? We'll see. But I, the, the takeaway for me is that um, you look at the front office and they are not um, the type that's going to go out and jump after Earl Thomas. They're not going to go jump after like a, an ex- overly priced veteran. Uh, I had some people around the team say like, watch, they're going to go someone that fits exactly the Browns model. And I know there's been a billion Browns models, but I really think this is the best. The Andy, Andrew Barry is more the more promising GM than I've seen in years and years there, and he's stuck to what they want to do. Jag's really t- putting it, taking it down to the screws here. I mean, not that Harrison was a star. He's just a guy who played a lot for them. Last year, he's a young player, but man, they're they're getting rid of. They do not have many players, uh, especially on defense, that have have been there for a while. And I and I am kind of um, amazed how uh, little interest Earl Thomas is getting. I don't know what he's asking for financially. My, I suspect that's that's a big part of it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if like Clinton Dix, who's been solid, I, I he never can find a team that believes in him, which is a red flag, but. Like it'd be interesting to see if he gets a, a job before Earl Thomas. No one wants Earl Thomas. That's my takeaway. Feels like Earl Thomas has some stink on him. You know. Well, you got After teams that, hugged up against Raven the cap, stopped. and you could see him asking for more money coming off a disastrous exit from Baltimore than people are comfortable with. Wouldn't we be hearing that there was some type of conversations happening then? It, right. it seems it, pretty silent. Yeah, people aren't time, into so. it. I mean, that's the thing is like when the the Cowboys publicly were saying, "Well, we're looking at it." Well. Not really. I mean, you made you had your meetings, and once it's five, three, four, five days out of him being cut, they they decided they're not into him, and all these other teams have decided they're not that into him. Maybe that changes after week one when the contracts aren't guaranteed or his price comes down. But it's pretty crazy for like a possible future Hall of Famer who played well last year. It's not like he played poorly; he played played well. All right, that's what's happening in the news. A uh, couple program notes. Next week begins our, you know, shift into regular season. Okay, so we're going to have a show that goes up on Labor Day Monday. And yes, get excited because it will be our Go Get My Lunch spectacular, hopefully with Chris Wessling as well joining us uh, where we make our predictions for the 2020 season. 
Thursday will be our preview uh, podcast where we break down all the week one games. Thursday night, we will have a mini pod up for you that uh, breaks down Texans Chiefs. Can't wait for that. And then Sunday night, of course, the flagship program. Oh, I'm skipping something. Our NFL Network program um, will uh, be taken in part from our Thursday audio preview. So if you want to see our mugs on television talking about what we talked about on the Thursday show, that will air Saturday mornings on NFL Network. And then on Sunday night, the flagship program where we break down every game uh, from the week that was, this one being week one. Not bad. And then there's other stuff. There's more. The old Zeuser has the power rankings and the power rankings show with Matt Money Smith. Greg, you're back with uh, Game Day View your Friday evenings, 8 p.m. on NFL Network. And and Ricky's helping out on that show, too. She's going to do some vo- voiceover uh, stuff where she kind of sets up um, different segments and stuff like that. So it's all happening. Plus, we have a stream. Keep an eye out on our Twitter accounts. We're going to try to do some sort of stream on Wednesday just setting up uh, the opener. It's not going to be a podcast, but just like a, a little extra. And uh, in exchange for that, leave us a comment and leave us some reviews. We need some more. I, I saw Five people stars. responded last time. I appreciated it. I love you all. And Mark, I didn't forget about you. And I didn't forget that you were wearing an awesome pink collared shirt. And today you're wearing the exact same collar shirt, only it's blue. I noticed well, these things. So, you know, I have this is the first time I bought shirts in... <laughs> like probably four years. And so what I do is I, I went into a store. I found one version of a shirt I like and just bought three colored versions of it. And I was out in eight minutes. And that's how you do it. <laughs> that's well done. Do you, what do you got cooking this season? You got a weekly column, right? Weekly column. Um, Eric and I have a little fantasy thing that might hit the scene a little bit later today or soon and TBD on some other Ooh, stuff. What so is that? See. You'll see. That's called just the plug. A Little little like Twitter cupcake out there for you to eat. Take a little bite out of it. Enjoy it. <laughs> That's that not gross. gross. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if we're gonna, last... I, you know this household's about to combust. So I mean, you know, we'll see where we are three weeks from now. I'm not feeling ultra confident about the smoothness of the whole journey here. And one more thing, boys and girls. Uh, this has nothing to do with us, but it has something to do with one of our very favorite people at NFL Media, the great Steve Weish. And I'm going to let him explain it to listeners that might not know about his new venture. Steve, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. I like you on every week and not getting paid for it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? The Chris Collins. I'm in the podcast game now, guys. Oh, in the podcast game. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Jim Trotter and I are going to be uh, having a podcast debuting September 8th, the Huddle and Flow podcast. Love uh, that Jim name. I, yeah, you like that little little sample? Yeah. Part of it, you know. Love it. Two, two Howard alums on the podcast, mm. sampling from the movie where two Howard alums, Anthony Anderson and Taraji P. Henson, Ooh. are two of the key stars, the Hustle and Flow. There's a nice little connecting of the dots right Ooh. there. But yeah, I mean, so it, Jim and I, you know, we, we, we've had more, more than 40 years of covering the NFL. Uh, as you know, as I said, two Howard alums. We've got a lot of experience. Um, it's not often you get two guys from the same school, but also two guys from the same historically black university. So we're going to be coming at it this with a kind of hopefully a unique perspective on covering the NFL and some of the pop culture and social issues going on around it. And guys, our debut, uh, September 8th, we've got Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington football team on there Ooh. and, 
We've recorded it, and all I can say is uh, have the headline writers ready because there's a lot of stuff in here um, that nobody's heard before. It goes back to our relationship with Ron and his and his trust and candor in us. But this is it's a nice little dive into wow. some of the things that are going on there. Yep. You, nice. you should call up the news desk. Uh, you know how this thing works. You should give them a, <laughs> a, a copy Help out the NFL media, no. NFL.com, and help out yourself. They'll have some you know, headlines ready for once that thing hits. Pump it up. Have them chase you got to think about the game now it, that you're getting into the hey, podcast. Greg, you're competing Greg, with us. you got to think a couple steps ahead here, Weish. Greg, let me tell you something. You're in my contrails, baby, Greg. because it's already been done. Contrails. Oh, there you go. Oh. Already been done. Steve, I'll try to, you know, build rapport versus just blowing the whole thing up here. Uh, you know, <laughs> they talk about you guys are people, they would say reporters with deep Rolodexes. Uh, when is the last time you actually on a desk or had a Rolodex? I just feel like, um, you probably shifted your deep uh, list of contacts to online at this point. Great rapport builder here. You know what? I'm, I'm you know what? Here, here's what I'm going to say. Since you guys are big into pop culture. I'm Kaiser Sose, brother. Okay. Ooh, it's all right here. <laughs> it's all right here. No need for the Rolodex. Can't leave any evidence laying around for Chaz Palmentier mm. to finally catch up to and get. It's all right here. Well, I hope that means you're not Kevin Spacey, too. I, I You're just sticking to the character no. portrayed. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. I mean, Weiss is peeking right now. Weiss is guns on the artwork of this moment. podcast. He, he's yeah. having a moment. It's like, I, I think what it is, it's his second peak. He, he had the, the climb. He had the climb to the summit of the industry, but you got a lot of kids in the house. You're dealing with them. Now the kids, I know the quarantines changed that up a little bit here and there, but the, the kids are mostly taking care of themselves. They're into college. It opens up the time. And now Weiss is just peaking again. We got to wait until our kids go to college for that second peak, Mark and Dan. For the first I, peak. I, I, I want to know where the dip is. Well, there's no dip. You're just, you're just hanging out at the top of the mountain for now, but now you're going up no. another mountain. But I have to say this, man. You guys, the you know the lane you guys carved out, and and showing you know me and so many others on how to really articulate this podcast game, to really kind of cultivate an audience and build an audience. It's amazing what you guys have done. You know, I love you guys. You're just great human beings. But again, what you've done in the in the sports and the NFL podcast world, and kind of bringing your own personalities and your pop culture references and everything into it. I, we just hope that, you know, after a couple of years, if we get that much time, because, you know, typically black people only get one shot before they're fired. <laughs> but if we get that much time <laughs> to build, you know, something to what, you know, you guys have crafted, you know, I, I hope, I hope, you know, to really live up to the expectations you guys have set. Well, I came away um, from our, thank you. I came away from our NFL summit thinking that maybe you alone feel that way about our show, but uh, that's for another <laughs> time. So, yeah. How about, how about that? Let's let's open the world to, to the great franchises yeah, we're building stay. here. <laughs> uh, build some homes, Steve Weiss. You know uh, that we love you, and it, this podcast, Huddle and Flow, absolutely will get the ATN podcast seal of approval. And we look forward to hearing that Rivera interview, and maybe even ripping some sound bites out of it and talking about it on this show. And of course, having you back on again, Steve, and maybe Jim down the road as well. Uh, best of luck in the podcast game. Thanks a lot. I can't wait to have you guys on. It would be a spectacular show. All right. Thanks, Steve. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you. All right. 
That's it for the Friday show. Uh, let's sign off. I asked Ricky just to type in Hustle and Flow in the NFL Media Library and see what song came up. So we're going to play out with that as a little nod to Steve's new show. Maybe it could be his theme song. I don't know. That's his call with Jim, obviously. Uh, but let's sign off now. This is Dan Hansen signing off for the great Steve Weish, the old boss. Mm. This is Hustle and Flow? This isn't the movie. Nah. No, it's just our library's version. Uh, thumbs down from Steve. Uh, <laughs> the Quiet Storm and Ricky Hollywood. Until Monday. This is bad. <laughs>from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. 
With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.